2: The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com.
0: The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com.
3: I compute and obey.
0: Now today Hooker. Ready.
3: Here we go. And what a show. Used to be a downtime in college football where we were concerned about practice and such. But that's not the case anymore. With Transfer Portal News afoot. We will tackle that, but we will talk some bowl practice as Tennessee is playing a game, by the way. Uh, I know that yesterday's show and a lot of coverage of Tennessee, not just us, but elsewhere, would make you think transfer portal is all that's going on. Well, it is to some people, but we're going to talk football as well. There are three key players that Tennessee is still after in the transfer portal, so we're going to get to that. Then we're going to take a look at another SEC East team for, I guess, two more weeks. And then we're just all SEC. It's going to be so weird not to say SEC East and West, isn't it, Caleb?
4: Yes, but it is a throwback to history. The SEC East and West didn't start until 1992. I know. I
3: remember being a kid and watching when they would have the standings and it would just be straight, you know, Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, blah, 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 whatever on on television, the the 6 o'clock news, and it feels like that. So I guess that's how we're going to – they're going to have some crazy tiebreakers, and some people are going to be every bit as mad at Florida State. But uh, we'll have that conversation uh, for another day. And then the most inspirational player for 2024 from a fan standpoint, what player would uh, have a huge bowl game and you'd be more excited about 2024 – Than before. Also, there is one team that I think should take a look at Josh Heupel. Not trying to stir anything up, but it just struck me over the weekend, and it might surprise you. And Georgia, as we look to Georgia, is that SEC East team for now. That uh, man, they've lost a lot, Caleb. They've lost an awful lot, but we're going to go through those and see just exactly. Uh, how hurtful they may have been for the uh, Bulldogs. But uh, you know, Georgia is is an interesting team to look at and the amount of players that they have lost. Are they still going to be good next year? No doubt about it. But are they going to be just a reload team like uh, they were not this year but last year? I don't necessarily know. Uh, also, the college football calendar. I mean, it, does something have to change because right now, coaches are absolutely harried in trying to keep up with all that's going on. So, Caleb, how are Not you? Not just start? coaches.
4: I'm good. Not just coaches. We are, too, as reporters. We, we can only cover so much, and we that's, try.
3: That's, that's very true, but uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job. And a Tuesday means it's John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. He joins us now. With more headroom than Max, can we bring your computer down a little bit, John? Remember Max Headroom, anybody from the uh, early days of MTV? Hello, John. How are you, sir?
5: Glad to hear you're such a student of history, Dave. That's a great reference.
3: Uh, encouraging news for
5: Caleb. I just heard this. It's kind of word on the street type thing. That Tennessee is in the running for two punters <laughs> in the poor. Caleb, I know you'll be excited about that. One is uh, can kick with either leg, or he'll just hit it with his hand. The other is a more conventional punter. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, there we go. Well, I would All just right. say
4: this. Tennessee became punter U in the late 2000s. They also fell apart as a program in the late 2000s. <laughs> just, 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 just pointing that out, guys.
5: <laughs> Should have gone for it every time and think how different the big orange world would be. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. All right. So we've got a lot to get to on the program today and uh, let's, let's go ahead and, and get started right now. As um, again, we're going to look at the transfer portal and who Tennessee still needs, but John brought up uh, a very interesting point when I was talking to him last night. And the question I have for, for you guys is uh, about Joe Milton. And Joe Milton is a guy that this time last year was on the verge of his greatest game, right? Um, He was getting ready to play in the orange bowl and everyone got incredibly excited about his play. One player actually told me though, that to be quite frank, he was uh, or one person in the program. I should say that he was surprised by how well Joe Milton played. And I think that played out that he wasn't a great quarterback this year. So, uh, my question for you, and it is today's tough question, and we'll get to it right now. It's brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealestate.com.
0: Today's tough question take a side, take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook
3: Is Joe Milton the most disliked quarterback in Tennessee football history? I don't know if he's the most disliked, but he's right up there, uh the most disappointing perhaps to some people. but if you look at Tennessee's quarterbacks, they're usually pretty beloved, John, but you thought of this topic and the fact that Tennessee went eight and four could have could have played better, could have won more games with some better quarterback play, I believe I ask you. Uh, do you believe he's the most disliked Tennessee quarterback, at least in the modern era?
5: Um, I think for a quarterback who's had a modicum of success, I mean, Tennessee did has won eight games with Joe Milton at quarterback this season. He won two more at the end of last year, won the bowling green game too. So I guess over and all, he's about 11 and five as a starter. Um, timing had something to do with it he followed a really good quarterback and there's so much anticipation over Nico just so much more so than in quarterback Tennessee's had uh I don't I I guess in looking back I would think probably Jarrett Garantano was more disliked and and let's keep in mind I don't know if it's necessary to say this it's nothing personal uh with fans they don't look at this as Personalities is just about a job performance, and uh, I would say Jared Garantano. Uh, there have been quarterbacks who's who have had less success uh, than Joe Milton, who probably w- weren't as disliked as he is. Uh, I remember uh, Jonathan Crompton. I don't think people were thrilled about him in two thousand and eight when he started. Uh, Came to like him in two thousand and nine under Lane Kiffen because he did he turned things around uh with his own career with that season. So I, I would say Garantina was probably tops the list. He was here so long he started for parts of four seasons.
3: Yep. Uh go in th- that like and subscribe button. We want you a part of the program and hit the bell too, and we're gonna go to the message board. Today's tough question is brought to you by Andy Mason of Andy Mason realestate.com and he's got over 40 years of experience in the biz and he can also uh, tell you that he's got the best service and the best prices. Caleb, I will say this. It would have been Jonathan Crompton and not close had it not been for the second half of his senior year because he was so highly talented and publicized partly by me at the time and he was one of the highest rated quarterbacks in, in Tennessee football history He had that last half of the season, and I think a lot of fans were empathetic about the fact that the coaching staff was um, just in flux uh, while he was there, and I think that people forgive him for that because of the transition from Fulmer to Kiffin. So I don't think it's Crompton, um, for sure, but as far as a guy that caught a lot of flack during his play, that's about the closest I can come up with more so than Garantano I don't know let me ask you Caleb what do you think
4: um okay so I'm going to go to somebody different from both of them but I want to address both of them for a minute Garantano got a lot of flack for his play and it was very frustrating for people to watch but I do distinctly remember I think the second half of Jonathan Crompton's 09 season makes people forget how hated he was before that there was There, there were there yes. were made up stories, and you guys were covering the program. I wasn't, but I'm just going to tell you guys there were some made up stories that I can tell you I don't believe for a, for a, at all, and I've never believed them. I'm just going to say one rumor on one ball message board was a time where Peyton Manning spoke to the team, and they accused Jonathan Crompton of getting up and leaving. There is a hundred percent chance that didn't happen. Uh, okay, so they, they it was just he got death threats to his family, he got a lot a lot of flack, and also you, you got to remember when Jonathan Crompton. was the start of the decade of dysfunction tennessee hadn't been used to it however i'm going with somebody who actually was productive but had the worst intangibles in the history of football and that's tyler bray and i think even though tyler bray actually performed well i think plenty of people saw a complete lack of care from him complete (laughs) lack of intangibles he put more effort into throwing beer bottles and trash cans than he did trying to will his team to win and we all watched him and dave you weren't covering at the time but john what do you think of the rumor? I do believe it. I do believe Tyler Bray and Derek Rogers purposely quit in that Kentucky game because they didn't want to go to a bowl.
5: Well, there was a considerable speculation about that, and it was, a, as you remember, a dreadful performance. That was Kentucky playing with a, both of its quarterbacks were hurt, and it moved a former high school quarterback from wide receiver, Matt Rourke, to quarterback. And he just kept running the ball, and Kentucky pulled out a win, and it was pro- the worst game of the Derrick Dooley era. And there was a lot of speculation about that. And I think that's a very good point. I thought about Tyler Bray, and then I thought about, yeah, he had really good stats. Uh, and he did. His last year, that uh, 2012, he had really good stats. But you're right. There was always a feeling, and not just with Bray, but with that team, like, you wondered how much it cares, so I think it's uh, good that you uh, you brought him up because sometimes it's not just about your stats or how you turned out professionally. He hung around the NFL for a while; he may still be there for all I know. But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's a real that's a really good point, and I think there are other there might be some other guys like that. I, I noticed one of our. Twitter people mentioned uh, Eric Ainge after the SEC championship game for throwing that for throwing that That interception. interception. I know it was. It was like it was perfectly timed, like it had been orchestrated. They practiced it. Okay, here we go. SEC champion LSU.
3: Well, and Ainge deserves a little bit of post-playing credit for. Getting the uh, Georgia fans all riled up at Sanford Stadium, uh, a lot, a lot, what two years ago, or was that? No, it was last yeah. year. Uh, yeah, last uh, year. By saying that it wasn't a very loud place to play. You know, I love you, Eric, but uh, I do think that that caught hold, and then suddenly a lot of people uh in Georgia said, "Well, you just see how loud we can be," and he had pre-snap penalties and everything else. So, I-, I don't know of any other guy that we can count postseason. Um, Performances on to be the most disliked ball, except for Eric.
5: No. And and I think, yeah, he probably, Georgia should pay him to come down there and fire up the crowd. I I mean, Sterling Hinton does a great job of that with Tennessee, but I, with the Georgia crowd, he's got a history now. and They might really respond if he went down there and give him a microphone and let him say how bad their fan base is. And they'll respond, respond in kind. Does it history point? Yes. I'm sorry. And, and you guys you guys tell me if I'm way off with this. I See, I see
4: Joe Milton as a guy who people aren't good, They're going to remember fondly as a person, but not as a great quarterback. But he'll still be remembered fondly because I. you just brought up Sterling Hinton. I think Sterling Hinton is that way, funny enough. And wasn't the greatest quarterback, lost his starting job, but he's remembered fondly. And then another one that I bring up is Jimmy Streeter. I think Tennessee fans love the Jimmy Streeter, but unlike Tennessee was that good when he played those three years, they were actually awful but people respected him.
5: No, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, because yeah, a lot of the, again, it's not personal. A lot of these guys were like, personally, I think if you look at what Joe Milton did, he returned to Tennessee. Uh, he could have transferred. I'm not sure where he would have gone, but he could have transferred again. Um, but he stayed at Tennessee and I think fans respect him for that. He was a team leader. Fans respect him for that. So yeah, that's, uh, that's part of it, but, but you know how fans fans remember particularly, like the fan who brought up the Eric Ainge interception in the 2007 SEC title game. Those kind of things really stick with fans. I mean, somebody could have had a pretty good career overall, and like, like you brought up with Tyler Bray in that Kentucky game when the speculation that Tennessee didn't really want to go to a bowl game. Those are the things that really stick with fans, a particular play or a
3: particular game. You know, I, I'm going to defend for a moment uh, Joe Milton for a couple of different reasons. One, uh, he did not have the same crew of receivers, especially with Bruce McCoy gone as one of the most beloved quarterbacks, which he was following. And you never want to be the guy to follow the guy, you want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the guy. In other words, I used to always say, uh, yeah, I used to always say that about John Ward. I mean, I, I I thought at the time that Bob Kessling had an incredibly tough job to be compared to John Ward. So I think that following Hendon Hooker, there was no way he was going to match that amount of success. I thought that early on, but I think a lot of fans expected the offense just to keep on trucking and everything would be fine. So I'm going to defend Joe Milton for a second. I don't think he had the offensive line stability early in the season with Cooper Mays. That cost him the Florida game. And I don't think that he had nearly the receivers. And you had teams that were more prepared for Josh Heupel because they didn't want to get him embarrassed. I mean, Tennessee still surprised a lot of teams in 2022. I don't think them on the schedule playing well surprised any teams last year, guys. Uh, let thought, me get your go ahead,
5: John. Well, uh, yeah, when you mentioned about Hendon Hooker, I don't think any
3: quarterback uh,
5: at Tennessee has ever been put in a position with so many things going against him, popularity wise and in a way job performance wise. You mentioned Hendon Hooker, who one of the really the great quarterbacks in the modern era of Tennessee football. Uh, he's following him, and he's also. The predecessor to the famous heir apparent in Nico Yamaleava. and so that that's another thing working against him. There's been more fanfare about Nico than there was Peyton Manning. Uh, then a third thing is belief in Josh Heupel's system, and I'm and I'm guilty of this. I just felt like after watching Heupel's offense for two years, particularly his first season when I didn't think the talent level was as high and he averaged almost 40 points a game in that first season, I really believed. well, it doesn't matter. He'll find a way to score 40 points a game. He just will with his system and his creativity. And I was wrong about that, but that was another thing going against Milton because fans believe, well, anybody's going to put up great numbers in this system. And Joe Milton hasn't put up great numbers.
3: All right. I know we had a little bit of lagging issue, but we're, we're back and good to go. So, uh, yeah, I think that Joe Milton faced the perfect storm coming into the season that you you might have some people that were uh, had expectations a little bit too too high. So uh, here we go. Now, some people are having. To, OK, I think we're all good now on our audio issue, but I apologize for you also fact. have to point
4: difficult. this out. And I said this at the time. I said the clock was reset on Joe Milton in the Orange Bowl. But guys, I think we didn't really look. I, I think we misread the Orange Bowl last year. Uh, and what I mean by that is, I think we overrated how Joe Milton played in that game. Tennessee, what Tennessee had ten drives in that game and came away scoreless in five of them, and only had four touchdown drives on ten offensive drives. Joe Milton, his stats are very pedestrian outside of a fifty-yard pass score a White and a forty-six-yard pass to Ramel Keaton. I didn't think he played as great as everybody thought in that orange bowl game. He didn't look like Hendon hooker or that. It did not look like the offense that we had seen all year. There was a dramatic drop off even in that orange bowl game. And I think, I think because Joe Milton outperformed his own expectations for that game, it all of a sudden created Hendon hooker like expectations for him this year.
5: Yeah, I was, I I thought that I, I uh, overestimated his performance in that game. And part of it was that I didn't, have high expectations for him going into that game you know how it is when you think somebody probably won't do that well it'd be pretty average so he throws three touchdown passes doesn't make any turnovers it was kind of a pressure situation and so much was put on him so I looked at all those things and thought wow uh he's much better than I expected and that's probably that had a lot to do with why I thought Tennessee could go 10 and 2 this year
3: Today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Real estate experts with over four decades of combined experience in East Tennessee. Best prices, best service in the Knoxville area. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. So vote on our poll question. Here's what we've got so far. Most disliked Va quarterback. I put three choices up there. Joe Milton, Jared Garantano, and Tyler Bray. So far, Garantano is lapping the field. He has seventy nine percent of the vote. Joe Milton and Tyler Bray battling it out for eleven percent. I. Jared Gantano really don't, don't
4: the like... worst. was in the worst possible situation, though, guys. I mean, I think we have to
5: be. Fair he to really work. was. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, look, how many different offensive coordinators, guys? How many different offensive coordinators did he have? How many different head coaches did he have? Yeah. And Jeremy Pruitt. Could you have could a quarterback have a worse coach than Jeremy Pruitt? (laughs) Probably not.
4: Larry Scott, Butch Jones' offensive coordinator, who Garrett also had.
3: (laughs) I would probably go Tyler Bray, to be real honest with you, because I I I mean, you have to have some leadership ability and to have one off field incident is bad. To have two with a jet ski (laughs) is even worse.
5: What about those, was was there a thing about the golf balls? Was he throwing golf balls at people? Beer bottles. Remember the
4: Beer
5: bottles. Oh, am I confusing that with the uh, Neyland Stadium incident with uh, Lane Kiffin? Gosh, I thought there was a golf ball involved in uh, Tyler Bray's past. Uh, Maybe I'll look into that later. Tyler
3: Bray had
4: the, I want to say this, and you guys have covered Tennessee a little longer than I have, but I will say that. As far as me watching, Tyler Bray had the best arm of anybody I've ever seen play for Tennessee. When, I, when I, I'm talking strength, touch, and accuracy. I don't think anybody had a better arm, and that's why I kind of dislike him the most, is I think he wasted his potential. If he had a semblance of intangibles, he'd have been starting in the NFL one day.
5: I think w- what would have been cool if uh, if Caleb uh, would have been with the NFL franchise and general manager's role and Tyler Bray had come out the same time Peyton Manning did – and
3: Caleb would have taken Tyler Bray.
4: I would
5: not have because I believe in intangibles.
4: I
1: believe in intangibles. <laughs>
3: well, we know Caleb wouldn't have taken a punter. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. As Caleb doesn't. Well, then I New would,
5: Orleans I... Saints drafted Russell Erksleben once. I, he, he might have been. He was a high high round pick. I don't know if it was first round. Or... Well,
3: what's the uh, highest you would take a punter, Caleb? Never.
4: I would never draft a quarterback. I would never. I would draft, by the way, but but here's my crazy self. I would draft a kicker after a quarterback. I think a kicker is the second most important position on the field. A good kicker changes everything in football. Okay. Tom Brady's got oh, three I rings kick. because of Finitari. Oh, oh,
3: my gosh. All
5: right. Golly. Caleb is a study in contradiction. Yes. Uh, so I'm an
4: analytics sure. guy. I believe in analytics. We've told-
3: The show represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. And today's tough question brought to you by our friends at andymasonrealestate.com. We certainly appreciate them. Now, Joe Milton last year had an incredible showing in the bowl game. And it got everybody fired up that 10 wins is the floor. It's the basement that Tennessee is definitely going to win 10 games or more. So I ask you this. What? player would Tennessee fans and you on the message board most like to see have a monster game in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl? And I only give them their endorsement uh, from the Citrus Bowl because I do love Cheez-Its, especially like the Tabasco ones. So let me ask you, John, what player would get fans most inspired during the offseason heading into 2024 if he had a huge monster game uh, against Iowa?
5: Well, the field's kind of limited with this question because you're really not going to notice if uh, Cooper Mays dominates the line of scrimmage. It's just hard to pick up on that in live action, what the offensive line is doing. I think as a unit, if the offensive line performs well, these guys, most of them are coming back, it would be a very good sign. But for what against a really good defense, I think if that offensive line could move Iowa's defense, it would be a great sign. But that's not really answering the question. I guess for a player, it would be Dylan Sampson, the running back. People have seen snippets of him. They know he's got some speed, uh, playmaker type. He can catch the ball. And you got two. We think Tennessee is losing two running backs, uh, two productive running backs. So I think Dylan Sampson, he runs well against that Iowa defense, and the Iowa defense is pretty good. So I think there would be a lot of excitement about that going into next season.
3: I see what I'm gonna go with. It's James Pierce. Uh, against this offense, James Pierce uh, should have a couple of sacks if he's fully reinstated after the traffic incident in which he didn't listen to the cops. So that would signify that he's not suspended. That would signify that he is continuing his path to be the, one of the best defensive players in the SEC, which I believe he can be. So I'm going to go James Pierce. Caleb, let's get your thoughts. It's brought to you by Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House chat. Hemp House chat with two T's. Dot .com. Caleb, who's your guy? Hit like and subscribe and turn that bell on, hit the notifications on, and I want your vote as far as who you would like to see have the biggest game to give you some optimism for 2024, which you should have a lot. Caleb,
4: you know, if this if Tennessee was playing a different team, I could say this a lot more confidently, but they're playing a team that maybe throws it less than Bear Bryant would throw it at Alabama. <laughs> so, um uh I, I but still with all the transfers and the defensive back, I've been so high on Jordan Matthews and Ricky Gibson the I think Ricky Gibson the is gonna get the start at cornerback opposite Gabe Julie Lally in this game. And I kind of want to see what he does. Now I know being if you play cornerback well, you don't really, it's kind of like John Adams said with Almonds of line you don't get noticed when you play cornerback well because nobody throws your way. But I think because he's young, he's gonna get I think he might get. When you're young and you play it well, you get tested. And so I feel like they might test him a lot. And I want to see what he does with that.
5: Hey, Caleb, have you watched Iowa's quarterback much?
4: He's
1: terrible, (laughs) isn't he?
5: I mean, he looks like a kicker. Honestly, he just doesn't look like a quarterback. In fact, he might do better if he just kicked the ball to one of his receivers.
3: Okay. So as as Caleb and I at our three forty five AM production meeting this morning are putting this together, we thought about saying nobody can say Nico. because 'cause I've and then we just said, no, let's 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 keep that quiet and see if John says
5: Ia male
3: And you didn't. That would be the number one player. Come on, guys. We're all being coy here. If he came out and let's just say. He's pl- not playing, Dave. I, if he if he comes out and they played, let's say, four series in the first half and four series in the second half. If he were to do that, that would do the same thing that Joe Milton did last year. I'm not predicting he's going to. Joe Milton is, is practicing and he put, may play every single down. But I would be really disappointed, and I think a lot of Tennessee fans would be, if you didn't see Nico at all.
5: You're playing fantasy football. He's not playing.
4: No fantasy fantasy player would start Nico, though, (laughs) on their fantasy team in the bowl games because he's not playing. If Nico did what Joe did last year, look, again, I thought the bowl performance was overrated. If Nico was starting, I'd expect him to do better than Joe did last year against Clemson, significantly
5: better. And
4: against
3: this defense, yeah. though, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think this is the type of game where if you were like fourteen to twenty-two for two hundred and forty yards, that's a good game against this defense.
4: Guys, I don't think I was. Yes, Iowa's defense is good, but they also played in the Big Ten Westward. Literally, nobody can throw the ball. There's not one They're team like... that has a passing game in the Big Ten West.
5: Yeah, there's like I, – I was checking the stats. I think six of Iowa's opponents finished 100th hundred, or worse in total offense. <laughs> it's an offensive wasteland in that division. Caleb's yeah.
3: right.
4: And Michigan so could you, have scored 30. They just didn't want to. And so
5: –
3: So do you guys um, think that Iowa's defense is a little overrated given how they yeah, played? Yeah, it's, it's
5: overrated, but it's still
3: good. Did you – I,
5: what what was the bowl game last year? Was it Iowa and Kentucky? Do you remember that game?
4: Didn't Kentucky beat Iowa, though? Uh, um, I'm, I'm looking it up now. I thought Kentucky beat Iowa, but I'm looking it where up now. John, you, you
3: watched oh, no, more, watch more college. Oh, no. Iowa beat Kentucky. John, you watched more college. Did Kentucky score, Caleb?
4: No, but they also had Will Levis, didn't they?
3: Oh, my gosh. No, Don't get they started didn't have on have will, will Levis. Levis. Don't get him oh, started on Will Levis level. and punters. Yeah,
5: he, they had his backup. You you may not be a fan of Will Levis, but if you watch his best, his backup, you would become a fan of Will Levis. <laughs> <laughs> he's
3: not. Big Caleb fan. will never become a fan of punting or Will Levis. That's just a I fact.
5: Does Caleb ever will change Levis. his opinions on anything?
3: Uh yeah, yeah. Admit when he's wrong, okay. which is Good. about every other day. Okay.
1: Oh. oh.
4: Ha!
3: Burn. I don't I mean, miss on
4: quarterbacks in the NFL, guys. I've been the lone—I was the lone Titans fan who was against the Jake Locker pick and against the Marcus Mariota pick, and I'm against the Will Levis pick. I've never missed on my Titans quarterbacks.
3: Um, all right. Okay. So, well, we'll see. Uh, I remember you having that Mariota jersey running around. Hated like Mariota
4: the day he was yeah. drafted. I despised the pick.
3: I loved yeah, him as a college quarterback. I did too. I did too. He was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, any other players that would provide some inspiration headed into the 2024 season? What about the secondary as a whole? I mean, this well, is not a good Iowa offense. What if they shut down Iowa's passing game to let's say 175 yards or less?
5: That'd be an average that would be above average for Iowa's passing game. What are you talking about? That'd be a good game. Iowa Iowa fans would be ecstatic if they threw 175 yards. Actually, that would be significantly above average. They average one twenty three yards through the. Game.
4: <laughs> they went ten and three, averaging one hundred and twenty three passing yards this year, guys.
3: This is such a bizarre matchup when you think about it. Iowa's it's
5: dead last in FBS in total offense. The next worst offense in the country is Kent State, and it's averaging thirty yards more per game than Iowa's. I, I wouldn't just last. I mean, it's way last in in total offense. Yeah, quarterback right, looks man. like a kicker
4: and that's why i think the quarterback a, a an sec team could throw all over them because they win the game their sec i mean their defense is all based on the trenches and stopping the run because everybody up there runs the ball but guys go look at what penn state did to them because when you when you play some big East teams you got to play teams that can actually throw the ball and penn state torched them i mean absolutely obliterated them and so and I don't think
5: a pit, what about Penn state's receivers? I mean, I don't think Penn state's passing game is it's it's
4: not that good. No. It's not so, that good at all.
5: so basically what our conclusion is, Joe Milton's going to have another big bowl game. Tennessee <laughs> will roll the victory and, uh, you know, falls will end up in the top yeah, 20.
3: I can see the narrative now, man. If Joe just had one more year,
5: if, <laughs> <laughs> Man, if Tennessee just played in the Big Ten West. Yes. Yeah, that's the real uh,
3: story. <laughs> portions of the program brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, making your children safer at school. They provide highly trained individuals for security, oftentimes with military backgrounds. And Herald Group Security Solutions can make your workplace and your school where your children go safer. So contact your administrator and say go to heraldgrp.com, heraldgrp, or just Google Herald Group Security Solutions because we've seen the tragedies happen in our country just recently, and it doesn't need to any longer, Herald Group Security Solutions. So some Tennessee fans, and understandably so, aren't as excited about the transfer portal as they were last year, when uh, they got Randy drops, also known as Ante Thornton. That was uh, one of the big exciting players from last year. I, my contention all along has been Tennessee has to pay its own players now to stay. So I am not incredibly blown away by the players that Tennessee has lost. Uh, the one significant was Tyler Barron, but I don't think he was ever very happy at Tennessee. So, I want to look at another team that's lost a lot, and those happen to be the SEC East rivals for another two weeks, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, because, man, oh, man, this is a team that is losing a lot in the transfer portal, and we're going to discuss after this because – Sometimes it's better for other teams in your conference to do poorly than it is for you to do great. So two minutes with John Adams and Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Sports.
5: Sun, sand, and saltwater, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open
0: your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah!
5: Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co.
1: product?
3: TriStar Hats Co., what's that?
1: You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me.
3: Ah, gotcha, seen those, those are cool. Where can I get them?
1: Simple, TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order, $50 or more. Plus use the promo code HOOKED.
3: With the promo code hooked, you get 10% off. That's hooked.
1: And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at tristarhatsco.com. That's tristarhatsco.com. Dot com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to tristarhatsco.com for the best quality and customer service.
3: Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code Hook that's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off tristarhatsco.com.
4: Tristar Co. is a trademark of Tristar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited.
5: What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this.
2: The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win. BanksJones.com.
0: Uh, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Who? A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker.
3: Boy, look at those Georgia Bulldogs. Struggling. Uh, to keep all of their players in house. And I think there's a difference between being Alabama and having a track record of producing NFL players. Georgia has one, but not nearly as long. So do they have the same leverage to say, hey, stay here and you're definitely going to be in the NFL? Probably not as much of a history as Alabama. So let's dive into that. The show represented by banks and jones tennessee cider company the original hard cider of the smoky mountains use the promo code hat to receive some free swag with your cider order available most anywhere in the united states of america now for those of you that are busy have lives just keep up with the balls. let's get you updated with the players that are heading out of athens to play their college football elsewhere uh, i have a list uh pulled up Caleb if, if you do as well uh let's uh let's have you go through it or or i can you decide
4: you want to just go through the elite ones because there's a lot of people on this list
3: <laughs> uh, there's 16 outgoing transfers right
5: correct just do do the ones that, do the ones that matter Caleb a lot of those guys who aren't even playing yeah and by the okay, way smoke, so- Bu-
3: smoke Bowie smoke buoy is leaving smoke the worst name for a cornerback of all time.
5: Smoke <laughs> Bowie is leaving. Yes,
3: I mean you beat I'm him. i sure most
5: Georgia, fan- <laughs> he, he Georgia he the fans. are the suicidal season. over that. <laughs> what, what?
3: Oh, oh um, no, not smoke. Not most. Notably- I mean, if you're if you're a receiver, if you're a receiver and you beat him once, smoked. That's all you gotta say. You just gotta say his well, first name. Do you know anybody named Toast? <laughs> that's his. That's actually his middle name. Smoke toast.
4: (laughs) Smoke toast. All
3: right. All right, Caleb. What are the the big boys there at the Georgia Bulldogs are gone? All
4: right. So uh, the the most notable one recently is Jamin Dumas Johnson, who was hurt towards the end of the year, but was probably their most productive linebacker uh, until he got hurt. And he's out in the portal. I hear Tennessee's looking at him. I don't think Tennessee's going to get him. That's a pipe dream. Um, But uh, A.J. Harris, a cornerback. Marvin Jones Jr., their edge, who just transferred to Florida State. I – I don't know why you're transferring to an ACC school. You're haven't you just seen that the ACC is going to be completely shut out of everything in the near future? <laughs> but, um
3: they offer uh, more money, probably, but Yeah. Do you remember probably, Remember probably. John we used to say that and it sounded so awful because it was a violation. Now you just say they probably more offer they probably offered more money. Yeah, I know. It's a,
5: <laughs> yeah, it was that that was the case in the past too, but you just couldn't really say it. Who was the second guy you mentioned, Caleb, Uh, for Georgia after Demas Johnson?
4: A.J. Harris, Marvin Jones Jr.
3: Yeah. Uh, Okay, so um, keep going.
4: And then a couple more, um, a few more. Xavier Sori, a linebacker. Nyland Green, a cornerback who I was high on for a while and uh Darius Smith these guys are all still in the portal right now that i'm naming um, the most notable one is if from the portal not recruits who have flipped by the way which is their fi- they did have a five star quarterback commit just flipped to nebraska but Brock Vandergriff has transferred from Georgia to Kentucky and if Kentucky can win with Will Levis they certainly can win with Brock Vandergriff so um i that 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 could be something to watch out for
3: here's my take guys it, when you look at the outgoing guys where are they going Okay, their um smoke still hasn't decided yet. But uh you have uh you have Shocking. one going to Louisville, one going to Southern California, you have one going to Texas, one going to Alabama, that's Tresman Marshall. You have a couple going to Nebraska, uh, a couple are going to Georgia Tech, so they still want to stay close to Dave, home. Dave, Another- Dave,
4: Dave, 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 move yes. up. You're looking at the 2023. You're looking at last year. Okay, okay.
3: Give me destinations.
5: Marshall is is already out in Alabama. Yeah. Um, Give me my destinations. My
3: bad. Give me my destinations.
5: Um, I thought he might have gone back to Georgia and then gone back to (laughs) Alabama. (laughs) Um, So most of these are still
4: out in the portal. However, like I said, Marvin Jones Jr. is going to Florida State. Zede Haynes is going to Syracuse. Again, if you're going to the ACC, I don't care about the money. You just saw with your own eyes how the ACC is going to get iced out of anything that matters in the future. So if you care about your future, you don't do that, even at Florida State. Um, Aliouba uh, Ali is going to Maryland. Alston Blaske is going to North Carolina. Jackson Meeks is going to Syracuse. CJ Madden is going to Purdue. And Jonathan Jefferson is going to SMU. Guys, the vast majority of these schools are either bad Big Ten schools or ACC schools. I mean, if you're going to either one of those, you're better off staying a backup in Georgia if you're thinking about your future. I mean, again, I keep insisting this. The ACC is going to be iced out. Florida State is on the verge of irrelevancy staying in that conference for the next 10 years.
3: Let me ask you this. Why would these guys leave? Because there's always more money. There's always more playing time. There's also a big issue with traffic incidents in Athens. And there have been, what, a dozen issues of reckless driving. There's been one person that passed away. I can tell you this as a father. I would be very concerned about that. Uh, Do you think that plays into it at all, John, that maybe some parents are saying, I'd kind of like for you to head elsewhere?
5: Uh, Not at all. I don't think players leave because of something like that. Uh, A lot of players might be attracted to Georgia because thinking, man, those guys drive fast cars. And I like fast cars. That's awful. Uh, John, it's awful.
3: I, I I mean, Ludacris we is honest from Atlanta, here, and he's in all the
4: Fast and Furious movies.
3: That's Thank true. Ludacris is in Atlanta, and he's uh, one of John's favorite rappers.
5: Uh, I think... Uh, I don't think... You, you put the numbers out there, and the numbers sound like people are just, you know jumping off the ship there at Georgia. I don't see it that way. I, I don't think Georgia is losing that much quality. I think Jamon Dumas-Johnson is a really good player. He was a preseason All-American. Uh, but I don't think he was playing as good maybe as an All-American would at the start of the season before he was hurt. Uh, so I don't think the losses are that significant. I think Georgia will find more players. And I think Georgia would be a destination if they think they need a transfer. I think Georgia will have a good shot at getting it. Uh, but I, I think so what happens sometimes is these schools like you threw out Syracuse. I'll use that as an example. I don't know how much money uh, NIL-wise that Syracuse spends. Uh, I can't imagine it would be a lot. But if it gets if it wants to attract a certain player, maybe put a lot into one player, it can do that. It might be willing to offer more to a second or third-team SEC player than, than Georgia was. I mean, if you got so much money, technically there's no salary cap, but you don't have an unlimited supply. If you said, okay, we're going to lose – how much do we want to spend on this player to keep him? And Kirby just goes, "Yeah, maybe – Maybe 10 bucks, something like that.
3: I sense that Alabama has the reputation that you stay there and you're going to develop into an NFL player. So if it's a matter of $50,000 or $100,000, if Alabama wants you, you should still stay there. I sense that Tennessee is in the position of rebuilding a program in which they've got to keep their players or have a massive transfer uh, portal move like they did last year. I think what Georgia is trying to do is be somewhere in the middle, run the guys that can't play, bring in the new guys, but still maintain the guys they like because they have enough of a history of providing the NFL with players. I mean, I think that the Eagles have what four starters um, from from Georgia guys. I think Kirby Smart is trying to play both sides. Uh, If it works, I don't know, John, but I think that's what he's trying to do.
5: Yeah, I think you have to be really strategic about this, and you can't be sentimental either. Uh, you might like a player and appreciate his contributions uh, as meager as they could be, but you got to think big picture here. And we see that Georgia's recruiting, it's going to have one of the top, it's number one in recruiting right now because uh, according to 24-7 Sports Composite, but it's always right there in the top five under Kirby. So, there are new players coming in. I think he'll get some from the transfer portal. He added a couple of wide receivers last year. He didn't really play great this year. But uh, so, overall, I mean, I wouldn't be that concerned if I were a Georgia fan. I wouldn't want to lose Dumas Johnson to the portal. Um, but he could he have gone in? I'm, I'm forgetting. Is he uh, could he go to the NFL this year?
3: Is um, this his third? I've- no.
5: Th- I think it is his start. Like I was thinking, he was like a red shirt sophomore, but I could be wrong on that. I'm not, I'm not sure. sure, actually. Okay. Um, but I, I w- I'm just thinking. Sorry, uh, Georgia just keeps bringing in these linebackers. Uh, uh, you know, and I think it's very similar to Alabama, and you mentioned the history Alabama has going for it, Dave. I think that's more significant to us than it is to players, because for. A high school senior, he probably looks his history as something that happened three years earlier. Uh, so I think for high school players, Georgia has been a, a dominant force for quite a while and is a is a good ticket to the NFL. All right. Yeah. Now,
3: go ahead. Uh, go.
4: And, and I, you know, this is a um, I, I just want to say this is the other side of NIL that people didn't want to admit in the transfer portal. They thought that NIL and transfer portal was all about player welfare. And one of the warnings, and this is a feather in the cap for people who are pro and who are anti-NIL and anti-open transfer portal, they didn't realize that most of the players are going to be victimized by this because most of the players who may have a chance to develop in a program are going to be nudged into the portal if they don't show anything within a year. And that's happening more often than players, you know, using it to their advantage. That's why somebody like Dabo Sweeney is falling behind because whatever you think of Dabo Sweeney and his anti-NIL stance, he's consistent. He's very much against not honoring scholarships when he has a player there and that's actually done him in as much as anything, but you kind of have to respect the, don't you somewhat have to respect the principle of him doing that, that he says, I offered the guy I'm going to honor the scholarship.
3: Yeah. I, I also on the flip side, think that these contracts, these NIL contracts, the prospects should be paid. Let's take Nicos for instance, which I've been told is four years at $2 million. I think that should be backloaded. I think that it should be, let's say 500,000, the first year, 150,000, the second year, uh, 2 million, the third year and 4 million or whatever would add up to, to be eight total. But you try to get him to stay for that, that fourth year. And I I don't know if, if Georgia is doing that, but, um, I think a lot of these guys are getting their money, John, on the front end and they're like, I've done my duty. I'm out of (laughs) here.
5: Time for a new deal. Uh, and let's not forget that the NCA was emphatic in noting that the NIL deals were not designed as a recruiting inducement. <laughs> they really thought
3: that one through. Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, oh, not a recruiting inducement? Johnny sure.
5: I think it's interesting that that Georgia's had pretty good success with keeping guys, I think, in a way. A look at the quarterbacks. Carson Beck could have left sooner. Um Brock Vanegraf could have left sooner than it than he did. You still got Gunnar Stockton in there, who I think was a, a at least a four star, maybe a five star recruit. I mean, they seem to stick around there. I don't know if Georgia's paying its guys to stay, or people just love Athens, Georgia. So I just still th- I still like Georgia's chances to be very successful overall.
2: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: I'm about to make everyone mad. And this is something that popped into my head over the weekend. And I'm not trying to be incendiary. Yes. Uh, But I am. Sure. Tr- How do I say that? Uh But I am. I am asking the question because when it popped up, I thought about it because the the question revolved around in the NFL, would you rather have a great quarterback, a great owner, a great GM, and and I think that with the exception of a couple of owners, it's a great quarterback. So the San Diego Chargers have that. Uh, they in in Justin Herbert. They're looking for a new coach. I have no reason to believe. That Josh Heupel is anywhere on this list, but I do want to ask the question because this is the kind of job that I believe eventually when he has enough success that he might very well jump for at some point. So the question um, may sound a little out of left field. That's why it's called with H. What the
0: What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep, 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 keep cool. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com.
3: Should Josh Heupel be on the Chargers' radar as they look for a new head coach? And do you think that Josh Heupel will have any interest? I was told, this is a year old, but I was told by an NFL scout that he would be welcomed into the NFL because, as Caleb has pointed out, he's changed his offense. He's been um, malleable. He's he's, he's transformed when he's needed to. And I think at one point, an NFL team is going to make a serious run at him if he has the type of success with Nico, as we believe he will. So I ask you that question, John. Should he be on the Chargers – Long list at the very least, and it's brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. We want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals a Tennessee Tradition? Rick Jewelry.com. John, what do you think?
5: Uh, yes, I certainly do. Uh, very creative offensively, and views, as you pointed out, he's tweaked his system when needed. I think he kind of has an NFL demeanor. NFL guys are now looking for offensive-minded coaches. Um defense kind of is really really done well uh, this year in the NFL. So I think there's a need for offensive coaches in that league right now, and I think he would be somebody. I think he's very I think he's very businesslike in his approach. I think he's pretty even keel the way he manages a program. So yeah, I think he uh he should be on the NFL's radar. Can
1: you help?
4: Um, I'm gonna say no. And I'm going to say here's why. You you brought up, John, why defenses are so much better in the NFL right now. There's a big reason why defenses are getting a lot better in the NFL. And it's because we have had now, I'd say, a decade's worth of, at the college level, most programs being system programs rather than development programs, if that makes sense. There's very few David Cutcliffe's anymore who really develop you for the NFL. It's let's run the system and maximize your talent. That idea has creeped, crept into the NFL now with the Cliff Kingsburys of the world. Uh, let's get the system rather than the, devel- the development. Well, what happens with that? Quarterbacks, more than ever, are missing the most easy, basic throws. And that's why red zone offenses are transcendently bad now. And quite honestly, I think what Josh Heupel does is great for college. I, I just don't think it's good for the NFL because of that. I think it's the same issue that you saw with every Spurrier quarterback that ever tried himself in the NFL outside of Rex Grossman. They were all utter failures. I mean, Rex Grossman also, it's still funny that he got to a Super Bowl because he was not a good quarterback in the NFL. But, Uh uh, you know, I think for the most part, I I don't, I, I think the NFL is oversaturated right now with offensive systems that haven't focused enough on player development. And I'm not saying Josh Apple doesn't develop players, but he develops them at the college level and he doesn't necessarily with this his system does not develop quarterbacks to make the easy throws this is why tom brady was able to last so long by the way in the nfl tom brady never missed on the easy throws when you have a whole generation of quarterbacks now that you know on a five-yard hitch route in the red zone they can't make the throw
3: now let me ask you this john because smoky mountain red in reference to the lane kiffin move says couch mattress lighter fluid and i was in the midst of that near riot covering that thing and and Tennessee found itself in a position where they could only hire Derek Dooley but I'm not saying tomorrow I'm saying a couple of years from now do you think Tennessee pardon me will have any trouble uh hiring a a head coach or or even comparable to when they got stuck with Dooley got stuck with Pruitt I think the program's built to another level now. And I know everybody loves Josh Heupel right now, and you should, but he's not going to be Tennessee's coach for the next 100 years. At some point, he's, he's going to either retire or leave. So I don't think Tennessee would have trouble hiring an elite coach right now if Josh Heupel ever decided to leave.
5: I'm not so sure about that. You look at Tennessee's history of hiring coaches, how many
3: really good ones has it hired? yeah but how many many goofballs did they have in charge of the hiring
4: yeah that's
5: well yeah and danny white does have a good history of hiring coaches but is he hired a coach at this level yeah they're paying they're paying josh heupel nine million dollars you're going to go after nine million dollar i don't nine million dollar coach i don't know how i think coaches look at the sec right now coaches outside the league and wonder what is it going to be like when you go to a 16-team league, when you comp- You add Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, I wonder how they view Tennessee, its staying power, in an enhanced SEC. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think Tennessee can be very successful. It has what it takes to be successful, but I wonder if some – Top of the line coaches uh would look at that and say, mm, I'm not sure I can win a championship there. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go to LSU because he thought he could win a national championship there. Would Brian Kelly at Notre Dame come to Tennessee thinking, oh yeah, that's a place I could win a national championship? I don't know how that would be
3: perceived. I think I think I have a pretty good Brian Kelly top of scenario. Okay, so Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame, and at Notre Dame, you don't get to make a lot of the decisions in discipline. You don't get to make a lot of the decisions in admittance. So, uh, Caleb, who would be the beloved coach that is at a job that Tennessee could provide more? I'm going to throw Dan Lanning out because somebody did on the message board. But That's could, who I uh, thought of, Dave. <laughs> yeah, but could you call... I'm going to ask you, Caleb, and then John, could you call a Dan Lanning, somebody that's having success at a Power 5 program, and have him interested in potentially hiring him, Caleb?
4: I think you could. I think that Phil Knight has made it his life's goal to see Oregon win a national title before he passes away. And Phil Knight, to his credit, is not Jimmy Haslam from everything I understand. He stays away from the program. He just writes the checks and if the coach doesn't perform, he'll say fire him, but he does let the high, I think he does let the athletic director do the hire and everything like that. He just opens up the checkbook for who, whatever they need. And so I think that might be a little bit more difficult because if you're Oregon, you have the leeway to do what you want to do as a coach. And you got a booster who is what you guys used to say about big Jim Haslam best booster possible. Phil Knight opens up the check. He builds every facility possible. Does everything he can to promote Oregon, but he has, he, he doesn't, insert himself into the day-to-day football operations. And I think that's the type of booster you want. Whereas, so I don't know if Tennessee could actually get somebody from a sweet gig, unless it's a smaller school and the allure of coaching at Tennessee is just too much compared to where they're at. You know, Brian Kelly, guys, LSU not only are do, is the talent amazing in Louisiana. I don't think LSU has ever gave a lick about academics when it comes to preparing for their football program. They've been notorious about that, didn't the? They had the eye of the tiger off center one time in midfield. Just a joke about LSU, but um, I think that I, I, I and the talent base is not in, in Tennessee what it is in LSU. Now the NIL is there, but I, I don't think it. I don't think it'd be as easy to lure Dan Landing away from Oregon in an age of Nil if you're Tennessee but John I will I, push I, I, I am
3: I think it would I think there's more Nil money at play in Knoxville um than there is in Eugene I th- the athletic budget I think is about 30 million more I think you're talking you're referring to Phil Knight um of course at Oregon I think Phil likes it as, as a little play toy to market his products I don't know that he's as, as great of an impact of a booster as 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 we think he is. Um so John, could could you call Dan Lanning or I'm not talking about somebody basically I'm talking about somebody that has their team contending for a national championship but hasn't won one yet because those guys are tough to pull away and Tennessee would be considered a better job. I think Tennessee is a much better job than Oregon. I think it's a much better job than a lot of places that are having success. I don't, I think Tennessee could come up with a dream. What was the, what did the dream list used to be uh, Gruden um, Lane Kiffin again? Those were stupid lists, but I think a real list of potential candidates would include big name coaches on it. I think it is totally transformed from pre Danny white to post Danny white. I have no reason to think Josh hype leaving I'm just saying if they had to go down that path again, I think it would be a whole different narrative.
5: Yeah. First I need to respond to uh, Caleb's assault on LSU's academic standards. (laughs) Since I graduated from there, (laughs) they didn't care about academics in journalism school either. (laughs) I did very well. I had a great high grade point average. They just didn't care. Uh, I
4: never targeted the students. I was talking about the athletes. I didn't know that they were.
5: (laughs) No, I, I was, I was a columnist there for five years and, you should, I can still remember a uh, a summer bus tour uh, uh, where, uh, I don't know, there are about 12, 13 athletes on it. Uh, they went up to the uh, East Coast, I believe, and uh, got 13 hours credit in botany, history, whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's a good place to pile up some grades uh, and credits. Uh, I guess I look at Oregon. I look at Dan Lanning in Oregon. And, think, I don't think he looks at Tennessee the way you do, Dave. He was at Georgia. I don't think he looks at Tennessee and says, I can win a national championship there. I mean, Tennessee won one 25 years ago. And I agree, it's a much better situation than it was. It's got really competent leadership it, from President Randy Boyd, Chancellor Donde Plowman, Athletic Director uh, Danny White. But still, when you look at that track record, would you would you go, take a job at tennessee over texas alabama georgia lsu i don't know here's here's a list well, you just test. wait
3: john you just named a bunch of states with in-state talent galore i'm oregon is not that well you 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 get to use in-state talent okay but oregon is not that I mean, you gave me three oh, you gave me okay. three very tough ones
5: uh, oh okay that that's that's good Here's a here's a factor to me. If I were coaching Oregon, uh,
3: John goes. John goes. Oh, okay. That's good. The most dismissive compliment ever.
5: Sorry, Dave. I didn't know you were going to be Sally sensitive on me. Um, Oregon. Here's the thing. If if I'm a coach at Oregon, I really don't want to be flying east every other Saturday. I, I just. All those plane rides, I don't like being in the Big Ten for that reason. If I had a chance to come to Tennessee, that would be a big factor in my decision. I would definitely con, I would definitely weigh that.
3: John's favorite player of all time, uh, any athlete, I believe, is Roberto Clemente. Is that correct, John? Yes, I bet they have memorabilia there at Sports Treasures of Roberto Clemente, carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook. For the best sports memorabilia, they send out daily updates. Just go to Facebook and follow them at SportstreasuresTN.com. I would appreciate that. Support our sponsors. That's why we're here. Hit like and subscribe and be sure and turn the notifications on. Sports Treasures is a great place to go for Christmas. You can absolutely stock up. So, uh, John, we have determined that I think Tennessee is a better job than Oregon, but you're not so sure, right?
5: No, I'm, I'm talking about, I mean, I would rather be at Tennessee than Oregon. I'm just not sure Dan Lanning would. Okay. Fair and enough. also, he's not going to fly as much, what?
4: He's not gonna have to fly no, as much I'm, as you I'm think, just, John. It's what? He won't have to fly out east as much as you think, because Oregon is going to now play USC, UCLA, and Washington for conference games every year now. So he's just staying out west for those games.
5: Yeah, well, that's a factor. I, I wouldn't want to. I don't like flying that much, so I probably. Maybe it would be a bigger factor with me. No, I mean I think Tennessee is a really good job. I'm just not sure. Here's here's the way: if Urban Meyer decided he was coming in back, getting back into coaching. I mean, he only goes places where he knows he can win a national championship. And this strictly hypothetical. I don't think Urban Meyer is coming back into coaching. I would hire him immediately if he were. That's uh, not for, he's not for everybody though. But would Urban Meyer take the Tennessee job?
4: No. I'll say that outright, no.
3: I would, too. I think it would depend on how hungry he was to coach and what was available.
4: I'm just going to say I think, this. Well, in
3: the- I was totally wanted the Texas job if things went south there.
5: Well, yeah, Texas. Sure. I don't think he would take the Oregon job, either.
4: Interesting. Guys, in the modern era of college football, Tennessee has one national championship. Okay, and like it, it, that – you can say 51. That's not the modern era. Modern era to me is post-integration. Tennessee's got one national title. Clemson's a better job than Tennessee. They have three in the modern era. Tennessee's uh, barely had more success than Texas A&M in the modern era. So it's uh, – that,
5: That's uh, real encouraging to – uh. Our audience, I bet. I I
4: I deal with facts. Okay, Tennessee's bare you you guys love to bring not you guys, but Tennessee fans love to bring up the two national titles, all the wins, and General Nealon. Ninety percent of Tennessee's success outside of a four-year run from ninety-five to ninety-eight. Tennessee has largely been a program in mediocrity since nineteen seventy. I mean, largely. They have Three SEC titles under majors, two by default because Florida was on probation, and then one that they had to share with Alabama and Auburn. So really, they only have two outright SEC titles since 1970, 97 and 98. That's it. Okay, we're really overrating this program. Mm,
3: I, don't, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think we're overrating it given its facilities. I think it's been mismanaged. I would say that. Uh, John, anything else well, you would like I think to offer?
5: The fa- yeah, the facilities, I think, was a bigger advantage in the past than they are now because I think everybody has really good facilities. I think Tennessee's advantage is its regional location. When I moved here uh, in 87, I didn't think about that as much. I thought about in-state recruiting not being good. Yeah, and it's better now, but it's still not great compared to some other SEC competition. But what I like about Tennessee, it's very strategically located for regional recruiting. Look at all the places you can get to in a four or five hour drive from here. So I think that's an advantage uh, Tennessee has over some programs.
3: Yeah. Um, just one last thing uh, Rocky Top Tom saying right now, Mississippi Ole Miss is a better job than Tennessee. John? Yeah, I disagree covered, with that. <laughs> you covered the SEC.
5: I do too yeah. because of NIL money. And I know Ole Miss is a great, great lure for transfers. And I wonder if, if, if Ole Miss is putting a four year uh, NIL budget all in on next year and spending and drawing these players. I don't know that, but I mean, we've often heard that Ole Miss doesn't have the kind of NIL money. I think that's something else in Tennessee's favor. It's got a really, really big NIL person. and it can attract players that way. And that's crucial now. I don't think I, I was told by somebody in the NIL business. Uh, they're only going to be 20 to 25 schools. That eventually can compete for championships, or I should say, be competitive with NIL money. They're going to be able to to spend the kind of money it takes to fund an NIL program, and I don't think Ole Miss is one of those programs. But right now, I don't think uh, I don't think it's drawing all these recruits just because Lane Kiffin is a good offensive coach. Money's got money has got to be changing hands here.
3: It's a lot easier to spend money when you come off a ten win season, <clears throat> Tennessee.
5: There's
4: also with Ole Miss, and it's it's it, it has more potential now than it used to. John, you weren't here, but Fred White admitted to us that he didn't even look at Ole Miss because he saw the movie Mississippi Burning. And uh, I've said <laughs> oh, I've said oh, for a geez. while I've said for a while that Ole Miss is open <laughs> hostility to integration for a long time and their open embrace of the Confederacy probably hurt them with a lot of athletes. They were trying to recruit for a long time.
5: Yeah. But Fred did want to hear this, but he's an old timer now. So ouch!
4: Oh, Shot
3: the, the
5: younger gender, the younger generation that isn't
3: worried about the name rebels.
4: Well, also uh, they don't have the name anymore. They... So it's
3: yeah. They're the land sharks. Remember that from Saturday <laughs> out Live, John, I think, t- I think
5: Ted would have, I mean, I think Fred would have been a good land shark. I think he would have liked that. I I can see him making the land shark signal after a tackle. Definitely.
3: John, we certainly appreciate it. Have a very Merry Christmas. I'll probably talk to you before then. But if I don't, have a very Merry Christmas to you and your family. Same to you guys. Take care. Despite what you might think, John is not the Grinch that sold Christmas. He loves Christmas and gives the best Christmas presents, I've been told. I mean, I've never gotten one from him, but I am going to hook him up with a book. You can check out Celebrate 98, the untold stories behind the Tennessee Vols 1998 National Championship. Guys, we'll get it to you before uh, Christmas, But you got to order pretty much today. Uh, that's about it. Maybe tomorrow. Available in soft and hard copies. We have some signed by Fred White. And I'll be glad to personalize them for you. In uh, just two minutes, we're going to go a little four downs. Some high-profile transfer targets that Tennessee could still land. We'll have that next. Caleb Calhoun, Dave Hooker off the Sports.
4: Got cataracts? We can fix that.
0: Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hong at ccteyes.com.
3: Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols!
0: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m.
2: The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win. BanksJones.com <laughs>
0: You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com.
3: I ask you one simple question, Caleb Calhoun. If Tennessee was done right now with players incoming from the transfer portal, keep in mind that they had to pay some of their current players to stay, is this a win in the transfer portal? I think you said C average yesterday. Would you take it if nothing else happened from this point forward? So who does Tennessee have coming in right now? Um, from from the transfer portal who is who is committed to Tennessee just transfer portal when uh, oftentimes guys when we say recruiting we're referring to both but I want to refer just to transfer portal Um, so who do they have coming in from the transfer portal right now update everybody and would you be happy with that go
4: I mean it's pretty simple it's a hold stays in Thomas you're muted am I muted
3: yes you are definitely muted no question about it let's bring him back there How about now, Caleb? Can you got it? Yeah, can you hear me now? Is everything good? I cannot hear Caleb. We have lost Caleb.
4: All right, hold on. Come on,
3: Caleb. You can do this. I believe in you. All right, so as far as uh, Tennessee and the transfer portal, we do know this. We know that uh, Tennessee had to pay a lot of players, and we still can't hear you, Caleb, to stay in-house, and that was uh, certainly something that had to be done. You don't want to lose Cooper Mays. Um, I think there are going to be other players we're going to see that are going to get upped as far as what they were earning, but you certainly didn't lose him. Still can't hear. You got Caleb. Me now? Working on Wait that, Caleb. Are
4: you so sure let me ask you guys room?
3: on the message board: Dave, Would you it's be you. happy? It's you. I'm not muted. If, uh, save trolling Caleb, he's not muted, so you guys can hear Caleb, and I can't hear Caleb. Why in the world uh, can we not hear Caleb? That no, is interesting. They can hear me. You okay. can't hear Everybody me. Everybody can hear Caleb, and uh, Dylan says, Dave's kicking Caleb off the show. Just go with it. All right, Caleb, I'll look at your lips, and I'll do the best I can to determine uh, whether or not I can decipher what you're saying. So, would you be happy with what Tennessee had in the transfer portal right now?
4: No. No. No, I'm shaking my head. No. Okay. And the reason (laughs) this is great. The reason I would not be happy just to bring this up is because I have said is I don't think Tennessee has the right tight end. I'm not a believer in Holden stays. I've said consistently, I don't believe in Holden stays at all because he came from a bigger school for no reason. When a guy transfers from a larger school to a smaller school, It's a big red flag. So I think for Tennessee to address their needs in the transfer portal, they need to actually go after another tight end. I don't know how much of that you heard, but did you hear any of it? Um, But, okay, so we are still having some technical difficulties right now. But I will say that Holden stays. I just, I think Tennessee needs another tight end. They need a couple of linemen on both sides of the ball, and they need a couple more defensive backs. So that's where I'm at right now.
3: All right, let's go a little Four Downs. I think we got everything worked out. Four Downs brought to you by our friends at Dynasty Spas. As we're going to hop in the tub with our friend uh, Cooper Mays, who says. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Okay, we'll do That is Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas.
2: Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens, Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs presented by Off the Hook Sports.
3: All right, Coop, so set us up for the downs as Cooper Mays will do that. What down is it, Coop, as we jump in the hot tub at Dynasty Spas?
0: Coop here, first
3: down. All right, Gerard McCoy, uh, predicted by a couple of people out of Oregon State to head to Tennessee. What are your thoughts on Gerard McCoy as possible transfer targets that the Vols could still land?
4: It's Jamon McCoy, is what it is, but he is uh predict yet to yesterday. Colin Kennedy of Sooner's Illustrated and Chris Hummer of 247 Sports National both predicted Jamon McCoy to Tennessee. He was a three star coming out, but he was a freshman and he saw a lot of action on the field as a freshman. So he's a really, really, really valuable player Tennessee could have to add depth at cornerback, which they really need. Now I did say worry about players transferring from power five schools. But Oregon State's not really a power five school anymore because Oregon State, dies, as you guys know, Oregon State is basically a group of five school starting next year. That's why he's transferring out of Oregon State. So players transferring out of Oregon State is not a red flag the way players transferring out of other power five schools is because they are going to be group of five. And they lost their head coach. He played a lot as a freshman. I think this is going to be a good pickup for Tennessee. And I think he will land with Tennessee. And I think that'll be a big boost for Tennessee in the portal. All right. Second down.
2: Cooper Mays here.
3: Second note. All right, we have three prospects we want to take a look at. The next <clears throat> is a guy that I know something about since we are alums, Walter Nolan. I have been told that is just clearly a money grab out of Texas A&M, and, and he was doing pretty good at Texas A&M. I question really if if Tennessee would have the funds available, given the the fact that they had a they had to take care of some players to come back. I, I question whether or not they could afford him. Um, I don't know what he's asking for, but a defensive tackle with experience and some success in, in the SEC, although at this point, I still don't think we know if he's an elite player. I think Walter Nolan might be asking for a bit too much. And when I say afford, I don't mean that they couldn't get the money together. I just think they might think it's better served elsewhere. I just don't feel like. Tennessee's any stronger of a player because he's got East Tennessee ties than any other team that's willing to run a big check. What about you, Caleb? Yeah,
4: and I think it's a chemistry factor too. And at this point, I, I was high on Nolan for a long time, and I just don't think Walter Nolan as a defensive tackle is going to be able to make the type of impact that would be worth the chemistry. Cause I don't think it would land well with a lot of players. If you opened a checkbook for him, when a guy's doing this in the portal at this point. So I think Walter Nolan as rare of a talent as he is, Tennessee has solid talent on the defensive line as they are. And if they could upgrade other weaknesses, it's it's not that crucial for them to be that elite at defensive tackle because they're good there. And with Tim Banks, all of his stunts and blitz packages, I think they'll be okay without Walter Nolan. So I wouldn't risk chemistry to open up the checkbook for him at this point.
3: Well, I absolutely think Dylan nailed it. I'm going to pull that up. Um, Walter ain't coming. He's already projected as a top 10 draft pick off hype alone. He's looking for a one-year payday. That's exactly what I've heard <clears throat> as well, Dylan. Uh, From some people in NIL circles. All right. uh, We are on. What down are we on? We are on third down. Caleb, here we go. Coop.
0: Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down.
3: And I remind you that four downs is brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Their showroom in Athens has the best hot tubs and spas in the market. Dynasty Pools and Spas. Go to DynastySpas.com or stop by their incredible showroom in Athens. Dynasty Pools and Spas. Go to dynasty spas.com thoughts on Jalen Farmer on the offensive line and the fact that Cooper Mays is now coming back and Tennessee has a pretty good offensive line intact I would think would work somewhat against them and I get scared about offensive linemen because I think it takes time to work in, in in sync with one another I think we saw some of that with Keurig last year uh so I I get scared about going after offensive linemen in the transfer portal. As a matter of fact, I think that's the position of all the positions on the field that seem the most unstable as far as picking up a guy that's going to step in, start, be ready to go. I know John Campbell Jr. was able to do that, but he still had some pass pro issues early on. So I don't think you want to build an offensive line on transfer portals. Tell me about Jalen Farmer.
4: I typically would agree with you. You don't want to build an offensive line based on transfer portal players. But again, the difference comes one if it's just plugging one position and not building your whole unit, and also why they're transferring. And I think that Jalen Farmer, I think players transferring from Florida, it's not a red flag that they're transferring from Florida. I think Florida is such a disaster of a program right now under Billy Napier that I think players leaving Florida are leaving because they know that the writing's on the wall with Billy Napier and they want him gone. Or they know he's going to be gone, so I think Jalen Farmer's just getting out ahead of the curve in that regard. So I don't think it's a red flag of him not necessarily playing at Florida. I think it has much more to do with Billy Napier being gone, just like John Campbell Jr. last year transferred because Herm Edwards was fired midseason. And so when when there's coaching hot seats, I don't think it's as big of a deal when a player transfers from a big time program. And again, everybody knows Billy Napier is gone. So if you can plug one guy in in that situation, I think you're okay.
3: If <laughs> If you make me laugh, I've got to put it up there because this is a new term that I'm going to use. Uh, Dylan's just throwing heat today. He says another thing is making sure the linemen are in shape. Nico's going to have this offense moving at mock Jesus. (laughs) Caleb, that's pretty fast as as I've got you connected now. Uh, Mock Jesus. I I don't know how fast that is, but I know that you can – go right out the stadium and right over the Tennessee river. Cause it mocked Jesus. You can walk on water.
4: That is true. You can <laughs> walk on water. Uh, there's still a greater miracle by the way, in in football history and it involves a Tennessee quarterback. And it's that Peyton Manning one took the Colts to the playoffs regularly. And that Colts team was terrible. That that's the greatest miracle in the history of sports that Peyton Manning had them regularly going to the playoffs because what did the Colts do without them? They went two and 14. Okay. Greatest miracle in the history of sports. You know, yes, Moses part of the Red Sea. And yes, Jesus turned water into wine. But Peyton Manning turned the Colts into a winner. <laughs> I mean, we're, we got to really compare some miracles here, guys. Um.
3: <laughs> mock Jesus. So, yeah, I was <clears throat> watching highlights of uh, the Top Gun movie when he gets them mock 10, but he never reached Mock Jesus. Maverick <laughs> didn't do that. What down, Coop?
0: I'll let you see Senator Cooper Mays here. Fourth out
3: Again, I apologize for the cold that or whatever I've got that I'm fighting. Chris Breisle.
4: Well, this is, again, this is a guy, this is exactly the type of guy you want, Dave, that we talk about that goes from a smaller school to a larger school. And he's doing it as a freshman because he broke out this year as a freshman, immediately caught 44 passes for 711 yards and five touchdowns and immediately emerged as a receiver. He's 6'5", 195. And because of that, he's already targeted by larger schools. So this isn't a case of I couldn't play, so I'm going elsewhere. This is a case of I was really good at the smaller level and everybody wants me. I think that... Even though they have Mike Matthews coming, even though we don't know what Bru McCoy is going to do, you go after a guy like Chris Braswell because you are still not a hundred percent on that one receiver you talked about, who's needed, who dictates coverage. Am I right?
3: Yes. No, I agree. Out of those four, how would you rank them? I think Nolan would be number one, but we don't think Tennessee's getting him. Um, but I think in I would terms think, of I
4: in terms of raw talent, or in terms of just how you could get him there.
3: No, just in terms of a dude, you could call and say. This is all i'm going to offer you and you have to take it because i can blackmail you for something so come on that that type of guy uh i think it would be nolan one um if you could get him to come but i don't think he's going to come but how would you rank them as far as most coveted tennessee could get them
4: see i'm at jermon mccoy now i think tennessee needs another cornerback and he played so much as a freshman and like i said when you come transferring from Oregon state is not like transferring from other power five schools. You're you're, if you're transferring from Oregon state, it's because they're no longer going to be power five. And so it's not like you're running from the school. You couldn't play it. He played a lot last year and was borderline freshman all American. So I think Tennessee would get, they would fill a need and look, the more we're talking about Nolan, I'm not blaming people going for their NIL money, but they're just, they wouldn't, they if Tennessee opened the checkbook for Nolan, wouldn't that wreck the chemistry they might have going into this into next year?
3: Well, I mean, I, I guess anybody could wreck chemistry, couldn't it? I thought there was a chance that Brew McCoy was going to wreck chemistry, and he turned out to be one of the coolest dudes given back to charity, uh, a leader by, by, by every, every source that I've talked to. So I think you run a risk that everybody could ruin chemistry. That's the problem with NIL is that you paid them, so you can't kick them out like the Lynn T.J. Gibson, whatever his name was. In the first couple of weeks of practice, because you've already paid him. So, I mean, everybody could ruin chemistry, couldn't they? But Travis says Nolan would be cancerous. Mark it down.
4: I think because you have enough reliable defensive linemen and because of the potential of the offense, the most important thing on defense is not having it's more important to have a solid defense with solid chemistry that has its needs met than it does to have like the game changer at a position, honestly. Um, that doesn't mean you wouldn't take it, but.
3: It's what happened at AM a couple of years ago. They they paid so much of their incoming guys. They didn't have enough NIL dollars to pay the guys that already proven themselves. And I think they just imploded. And I think there were two teams on an 85-man roster. The young guys getting paid and the older guys that weren't getting paid. And that imploded. I'll say this as a huge monster compliment for uh, Josh Heupel. I think he's built a culture. Where it's it would be pretty tough for one guy to come in and destroy that culture or become a cancer, don't you?
4: Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. He it it would, but it can always happen. I mean, he built that culture when Jeremy Banks did what he did. So, it, you know, it just depends on who you go after. And if you go after Walter Nolan, I do think this. Josh Heichel, I think some of his philosophy because he's not the best talent evaluator. Has been just opening up checkbooks to get guys in the portal. So, uh, and that's so I, th- been I think
3: that, yeah, I, th- I think that Tennessee has a really good foundation. Now, you're going to have players leave and chemistry changes year to year, but in two years, I think Tennessee has had an incredible team culture, which that term is way, way, way overused, but I think it's applicable because you didn't hear about any issues.
2: At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK cataract surgery and regular eye examination. Go to ccteyes.com. CCTeyes.com. All right, uh, Caleb. So uh, Caleb and I have uh, been uh, on on top of a lot of things. Why? Because there's a lot of things to be on top of. And right now, the college football calendar is just insane. Does it need to be fixed? Uh, Our five favorite minutes coming up where you have an opportunity to win a T-shirt today, you'll direct us. But first, the college football calendar, does it need to be fixed? a little bit of a feeling I know where you're going with this. I say absolutely no. I think people care maybe more about the transfer portal than the citrus bowl at this point. And I'm totally fine with that. Uh, the citrus bowl is a meaningless bowl. Uh, every bowl is a meaningless bowl unless it's a semifinal and they should be treated as such. And that's why I advocated for Nico to play Uh Listen, the bowl games are about to take a huge, monstrous backseat, and I think that it's it's just going to be an exhibition game to get better for next year. If you don't make a twelve team playoff, so no, I'm cool with it.
4: You're crazy. The college football calendar absolutely has to be fixed. What happens? So for with the NFL,
3: for, for us or for coaches,
4: for both. I don't think it's look. I was. I was trying to stay up on things over the weekend, guys, while also like getting set for the start of bowl season and just trying to, you know, me personally gambling on bowls, trying to figure out my research on the teams I wanted to gamble on. And... Caleb does not have
3: a problem.
4: <laughs> and guys, I was having a mental breakdown almost trying to figure out every everything. And here, this is a big problem. Think about what we're talking about. Let's 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 do the NFL, Dave. What does the NFL do? They have the postseason, then they have the schedule reveal. Then they have the draft Then they have free agency. They have two rounds of free agency, one before and one after the draft. This is all spaced out. College football has decided, hey, you know, it'd be great if we put all of this in like a two week period. Okay. And so the, the regular season ends at Thanksgiving weekend. I've always been good with that. Don't change that. I love it. Starting Labor Day and ending Thanksgiving. It's like perfect symmetry, isn't it? With that. And
3: I, I, I'll tell you, Caleb, I, I love you. But you're, you're dead wrong. From a national standpoint, college football fell off the map for the first couple of weeks in December. Now it's a very relevant month, and Wait. it's going to continue to be that with a playoff in the NIL.
4: Well, not first couple of weeks. It stayed relevant the first week because conference championship week was always the first week of December. It was the next two weeks usually. I know. But, but
3: we, yeah, the next couple of weeks. But,
4: you, yes, I mean. because also because college football has this idea of wasting a whole Saturday for the stupid Army-Navy game. I'm sorry. I sound unpatriotic and I'm ranting, but, you know, I I, I love college football and you really – you sacrifice a whole week for one game. Okay, anyways, what I will I'm, say is I my problem. That.
3: I love that, by the way, but go ahead.
4: College football has 180 itself. You're right. It became totally irrelevant, but you have the transfer portal now. And you moved up the early signing period. You started the early signing period. This is the one that drives me crazy. Dave, we're covering the transfer portal stuff and all this craziness. And literally at the same time, the early signing period is tomorrow. National signing day starts tomorrow. That's the de facto national signing day. Remember when that took up a whole, like two weeks on its own covering it? Like this is driving me crazy. So you have the portal. Yeah. have. Coaching carousel. You have postseason. By the way, college football playoff is going to start in mid-December next year, which is another. So, portal, playoff, coaching carousel, recruiting at, at its peak, all within a two-week period. Spread it out. Get okay. You know when you should move this early signing period up. Move the early signing period to. What do you think of moving the early signing period to mid-July, Dave? Move it
3: to mid-July, uh, and then you. Just- oh no, no, no! You're. You're 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 accidentally stealing my idea from like, oh. uh, fifteen years ago. You wouldn't have known about it, but I said that Tennessee or the uh, that college football should have the early signing period, um, in mid July, early August, and I would say more like maybe even late August because you can come see practice if you're a prospect, and really all you're trying to get out of the early signing period. Are the just died in the wool bands of your school that are they're absolutely going to be at your school? They grew up and their dad went there. So they don't have to be bugged throughout their senior season. Uh, that's that's what I would I would suggest uh from the get is having the early signing period in the beginning. Now you may only have six or eight or ten as opposed to twenty in the early signing period, which which Tennessee could have tomorrow, should have tomorrow, but I would just lock up the ones that know that they don't want to be pestered anymore. And by the way, I love the army Navy game and it does deserve its own weekend. That's my take. So, uh, yeah, I would love it if the early signing period is moved to August.
4: Yeah, I would actually move it to mid July. I get your point with practice, but I just, I think that's what spring practice is for. And so I would move it to mid July and that way, that way when July starts late July, all the way through december you don't have to cover recruiting you're covering the season okay you start with sec media days which you and i both agree is like the de facto start of the preseason right sec media yeah. days yeah Yeah. i would actually move it back move all the media days to like the last week of july uh, josh paper all this up recently move it all to the last like right before practice starts so like that way the media days is the de facto start of preseason for everybody then you have the august preseason then you have the regular season then you have the postseason now I'll acknowledge this. I can't do anything about the transfer portal and the coaching carousel. The transfer portal has to be in December because the semester ends and players have to finish their semester before they can actually transfer. So I understand the window being in December. Um, and the coaching carousel, what are you going to do? Say my, my only suggestion, and I tell me you guys tell me if I'm crazy on this, is say you can fire your coach before the season ends, but you can't hire a new coach until the regular season ends. So I mean, or until the whole season ends, excuse me. After the national championship game is played, you can't hire a coach until after that.
3: Okay, so in this segment, Caleb has not only been un-American saying that he uh, doesn't like the Army-Navy game, but he's also un-American saying that he doesn't like capitalism and that a man can't take another job except for a small coaching hire window. Caleb, what has happened to you since yesterday? You used to be like one of my favorite people, and now... (laughs) I don't know what is going on with you i think you're gonna like show up tomorrow with a big russian cap on or something
4: <laughs> i'm saying you can make all the money you want i'm saying make my life just a little bit easier having to cover all this stuff please and so uh, I-, I think what
3: we should do is we should have caleb's corner where he can uh, say crazy stuff like move the army navy game and it can come in with, like, this really Russian-sounding song, and we'll get somebody with a Russian accent to do it. Caleb Kordina. See? There we go, because you're anti-American today.
4: Funny story, and I know this, and you guys don't, by the way, because I actually am. I'm so anti-American. I know more American history than every single person in our message board and everybody that talks Caleb's me, not so.
3: anti-American. Sometimes your sarcasm is tough to I read. I know. He's not anti-American.
4: So – Army won back-to-back national titles in 1945 and 1946 during the World War II era. And the reason they won it was because all the best players on all the other teams obviously enlisted in the Army for World War II, so they loosened the transfer portal rules. This was the original transfer portal national champion. They loosened the transfer portal rules where, like, you could actually play for Army if you were from another school because you were in the Army at the time. So they had, like, all the best players from everywhere and just beat the brakes off everybody two years in a row and won the national title two years in a row. It,
3: um, so I think with the story. calendar, get, getting back to the topic at hand, I think we've kind of agreed. You move the, you you move yeah, the early it, signing period, early signing period, but the transfer portal stays the same. Uh, and
4: move national signing day like the final one. Move it maybe back two weeks. I think lined up with the Super Bowls just a little bit too much. Tell me if I'm crazy on that, Dave. Like I just, it's like you got the Super Bowl and you go right to national signing day. I'm like,
3: yeah, it's can not you give always. it a week. It's not always the same week as the Super Bowl, but when it is, it gets overshadowed. So maybe move it back uh, a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. I would move national signing day to
4: like the third week, the third or fourth Wednesday in February. Then you get a two week law period to prepare for spring practice. Then you cover spring practice. And then again, after spring practice ends in the spring game, you get another lull period. Another thing they're doing, Dave, you saw the SEC did its schedule reveal. We covered that last week. Why are they doing the schedule reveals right now? Wouldn't it be epic if they had a huge schedule reveal moment in like May when nothing's going on and we could talk about it?
3: Yeah, I'm up for that. I, I think you copied the NFL. The NFL is relevant in every month, and I think that is exactly what college football is doing, and they're doing a pretty good job at it. I, well, I that's like what they, what they you,
4: need to do. That's not what they're doing right now.
3: <laughs> no, they're getting they're making steps. The first step for the NFL. I mean, I'm older than you, but the first step for the NFL they made the NFL relevant in April by further promoting the draft and making it a big deal. That was like the first step. And then it was reporting for OTAs, and then it was other things and free agency. So it's relevant in almost every month. And I think the SEC is is on that path. December, they're now relevant. We've talked about how our numbers are up, despite the fact the balls aren't going to play for a couple of weeks. So I think they're on that on that path, that's why I believe that they moved uh, the SEC media days up in the calendar. So July is relevant. So you could even theoretically talking out loud I haven't thought this out, make the early signing period late June perhaps and be relevant in June. but I think that they're I think they're almost there. I mean what month what months of the year is college football irrelevant right now?
4: Well, April? no, because spring practice, spring games go on Correct. in early April, uh, May, May, uh, June. It's, they're irrelevant in May. June. You know, the the cra-
3: they, uh, one of the craziest
4: parts, Dave, is like one of the things that drives me crazy. I wish there could be a way to move back spring practice because like or move it up because I don't like that it clashes right with March Madness. You know, because you're trying to like, as a, as a reporter, you're trying, you're trying to cover March Madness and you're trying to cover spring practice. And it just, it, it, that again becomes a little overwhelming, but I don't, you can't get around that. Right. Unless the NCAA tournament, unless college basketball pushes its regular season back and you can't really fix that.
3: But here's yeah. another idea that would be better for recruiting. What if you could sign a year early? What if, a so, junior, I mean, like, what if a junior could sign on the second signing day in February? And let me get your thoughts on that, because that way you have the transfer portal. It's not like he's stuck forever. So if he's not happy with it, but those Dodd in the Wool guys that are going to be balls or Crimson Todd players or dogs or whatever, go ahead and get out of the way. Mull that over. Customer service still matters. That's State Farm agent Don Self. For well over 40 years, they have built their business and reputation on taking care of their customers. They're in College Dell and Ottawa, the greater Chattanooga area. When you want that claim filled, you want Don Self. Don Self, your neighborhood. State Farm agent 423-396-2126 or go to donself.net. It's right below 423-396-2126 or go to donself.net. So what about juniors? Being able to sign on the second so signing. If
4: you're, year. if you're thinking from the spot from the point of relevancy for college football, though, Dave, you don't want that because you want as much news possible for in June for the early signing period. Because if a player signs in June, I mean, if a player in February for the ne- a junior for the next class signs in February, it's going to get overshadowed by the class the the actual signing class of that year, won't it? That's what everybody's going to talk about. February. So.
3: It is time for our five favorite minutes. It's all about you. If you have questions about the transfer portal, anybody along those lines, or uh, your thoughts on, I know we were talking earlier in the chat board about uh, Nico's just not going to play and Joe Milton just has to play for the uh, the best uh, move for team chemistry. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I think you, you have to win and, and I think Nico gives them a better opportunity to win the game than Joe Milton. So that's one of the things that uh, that was kicked around against this type of defense is that a stupid statement to say that I think Nico gives Tennessee a better chance to win against Iowa than Joe Milton, given the fact that Nico has never started the game. Am I stupid? Is that stupid?
4: I mean, I think at this point Tennessee's at the point where I think Nico's developed enough where he just in general gives them a better chance to win. Like wow. if you ask me who the better quarterback is, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but I, I do believe. Look, it's the last game. I do believe in letting Joe Milton go out the way he wants to go out. It, it's kind of one I know it's a you may think that's weird, sentimental, whatever, but you know, I, I get it. We, we're we on different wavelengths on this. You're the guy who still thinks T Martin should have started the Orange Bowl in '97 and not let Peyton have his final game, even though I don't know. Well, I,
3: I thought Peyton was hurt too. Uh, with the yeah, first, and start.
4: also looking back, Peyton probably wishes he didn't start that
3: game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got physically whipped, so I don't know they wanted to start that, but. Um, I think he gives them a better opportunity to win. And I see on Facebook repeatedly tickets for sale and Caleb, I do not see, I do not have the feel that there's going to be a mass amount of all fans in Orlando. Like there was in Miami last year for the orange bowl. Did you? Uh,
4: I don't think there will be. Um, but I don't, again, I, I think this is, much more. Tennessee is definitely thinking about next year. Last year there was, even though it was a meaningless bowl game, there was kind of something to play for for Tennessee because it was your first eleven-win season in 22 years, your first top 10 finish. You were playing for in 22 years. I, I think that had an impact. It's this one you're playing to. You're playing to guarantee yourself a top 25 finish because look, I will say this: if you don't win, you finish eight and five, and it's weird to say, but eight and five looks a lot worse than nine and four, doesn't it?
3: It does. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of off the hook sports. It'll be Jimmy Himes tomorrow. Join us. Thank you, John Adams and tune in weekdays at 10 AM. Hit the like and subscribe button notifications on because you might hear from a guy named Jacob and Coop later today on our YouTube channel. So you'll want to know that that's there. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of off the hook sports.
1: It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? ChumbaCasino.com. Chumba- no purchase assets. Full work completed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
5: details.